0: Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here.
1: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com.
2: The fog's just lifting. Throw off your bow. Throw off your stern. You head out to the channel past Rocky Neck, 10-pound island. Past Niles Pond, where I skated as a kid. Blow your air horn and throw a wave to the lighthouse keeper's kid on Thatcher Island. Then the birds show up. Black backs, herring gulls, big dump ducks. The hunt hits sun hits you. Head north. Open up the 12. Steaming now. The guys are busy. You're in charge. You know what? You're a goddamn swordboat, Captain. Is there anything better in the world? You are listening to theater and college hoops. Alongside me is nobody. It is just the shark for 15 minutes. Subi, suspended for the first 15, for backing Illinois on Friday night. Taylor, also suspended by association, his relationship with Suby over these years. I backed Maryland as three-point dogs on the road. We put the stakes up there saying, you know what? Whoever wins this game gets 15 minutes to himself. That quote I read to you at the beginning of this show from The Perfect Storm. George Clooney taking the Andrea Gale right outside, right outside of Gloucester, right in the beginning. Open sea right in front of him. That's what I have here today, an open sea and a podcast forum. tossed and turned about how I wanted to spend this. At first I wanted to, I debated you know, just treating the show like we normally would. Get in there, taking the topic from the weekend, bouncing it around and, you know, see what Subi has to say over there and send it back to Taylor over here but, you know, not going to have Subi in here being able to talk about the amount of Bud Lights he drank all weekend and we're not going to have Taylor being able to go on a seven minute soliloquy like he's standing on a community theater stage somewhere. I figured you guys don't want to hear that anyways. So once I kicked that idea, I thought, what else can I do? How can I spend these 15? I opened it up for the crowd to engage with me a little bit. How how should I do these 15 minutes? And I actually got some feedback from from the chief, the chief of the Barnburner Podcast Network. You know, the chief's a friend of mine. And he had a uh, almost a, a, a disrespectful comment. He said, "And I quote: Why don't you talk about the time you were most wrong, or all the times that you were most wrong in 15 minutes?" Suggesting that there's a lot of times that I've been wrong in my life. Now, here's here's my here's my issue with that. So, first of all, a little history for a lot of you, barn burner guys. The reason this whole thing exists that it's called the barn burner in the first place, I'd argue it's because of me. I lived in the same house as the chief back in 15 and 14. We lived in a house, we called it the barn. And while we were living there for a while, the chief actually caught inspiration from an old, uh, a venture that I had, sport binge, a fire blog that captivated the Northeast back in 2011 to 2012. And the chief heard about that. That kind of inspired him and that moved him to create this, uh, the barn burner. And he named it after the house that we lived in. And yeah, the website looks a lot cooler than Sport Binge ever looked. Our logo was just the coolest that everybody makes when you're in elementary school with a B next to it. And yeah, you know, the chief's got a lot going on. Like we're, we got this podcast here. He's given us a voice, but, you know, I inspired this movement. And it got me thinking, you know, how can I talk about, he said, the times that you're most wrong. And, you know, I'll admit I've been wrong a few times in in my day. I've been wrong about, you know, when we lived in the barn, Pat Seahawks way back in 14 was wrong about that one. UVA, Michigan, way back in 14 as well. I was really back in UVA before they won that title. Travis Trice buried me. That was a tough one. Um. Wrong, wrong about some trigonometry back in 06, some chem back in 08. So could tell you about that one, too. Why don't you ask him on the side? Uh, you know, I feel other. Like I'm wrong this year. My, my dad, I was wrong about Jason Tatum. I said we should have traded Tatum for Carl Anthony Towns. I'll admit right now that I was wrong. But again, it was about 45 seconds. So that's all I can give you. So this led me to, you know, what am I going to do? with my, my opportunity here. And what I ultimately going to choose to do is I just want to put out every single position that I have. I want to get it on the record right now because that's really what got me this floor in the first place. I was right about Maryland. I put it out there and I was rewarded with this opportunity. So I'm going to take it and I'm going to talk about all the, all the greatest things that I've experienced in terms of college basketball, my favorite college basketball players, My boys this year. My projections, if I got enough time, I might even dabble into a little bit of film if I have to. But I'm going to use this floor. So I want to talk first about... uh, Let's let's do college basketball players. So if you had to pick your top five college basketball players, if I'm doing that, I'm leading it off. And we're going back to the 90s on this one. We're going to start with Shimon Williams. Now... A lot of folks might not remember Shamon Williams. Shaman Williams was a just a cool point guard on North Carolina. Shooter, not so much a great dribbler, but someone that was just awesome. Love Shimon Williams. After that, I'm taking Jerry McNamara. He's gonna be my two guard. Jerry McNamara inspired me to be much like him. I was not nearly as good as he was, but that's who I wanted to be like. Big Baby Davis, bringing it up the six, loved him, bought a shirt online. I said, got big baby, wore, wore the hell out of that shirt. George Niyang will be my four. Still shook by the foot injury back in 14. And then finally, Grant Williams, Tennessee ball, legend. Someone that you just dream of having on your college basketball team. Always gets the bucket when you need him. The guy you want to have. As I take it into this year, and this is where I want you guys to pay attention, because I've been right a lot this year. We all know this. I've been on top of Seton Hall and Oregon all year, Maryland. I'm saying this is the year for them. There's, frankly, there's not much I've been too wrong about. Even the Wisconsin picks are starting to look pretty good after that waxing they put on Ohio State this past weekend. Which leads me to these first two that I'm going to pick. Peyton Pritchard and Miles Paul. Powell. I said, Paul. Those two guys, I was on them way before they're on this notoriety that they have right now. I really was. I don't know. I just, they're, text, they're texting me in the middle of the show to try to get me off my, my track right now. It's kind of... <laughs> All right. That was a good text. Um, can I get 30 more seconds on top of my 15 right there? We'll talk to the producer. But anyway, so Miles Powell, Peyton Pritchard, I've been on them throughout. I'll be on them to the end, and they're kind of making a push for being an all-time boy for me, but I haven't, I haven't supported them long enough. Skylar Mays, that's gonna be my other guy from this year. So much Malcolm Brogdon and Skylar Mays, just so much. So smooth. So they deceptively fast when they look so slow on the court. Just phenomenal, phenomenal players so far. Anthony Cowan Jr. Maryland. I had to put a Maryland guy because a Maryland guy put me here. Now, Cowan, he's very inconsistent, but he's a senior guard and he's the kind of guy that's going to hit a shot and live in lore for the rest of his career. And then I got to take Evan Boudreau on Purdue. There you go, Taylor. I'll give you a little Purdue love right there. The guy that looks like Ned Schneebly from old uh, School of Rock. Balding in the worst kind of way. So those are my those are my guys right there. Shaman Williams, Jerry Mack, Big Baby, George Niang, Grant Williams, Peyton Pritchard, Miles Powell, Skyler Mays, Anthony Cowan, Jr., and Evan Bedreau. All right, back those. Next, let's talk about movies. We're we're in the Oscar world right now. Little anecdote. Uh, Subi and I were talking with the chief shortly before the Oscars, and he told us to go watch um, Parasite, which won. And Subi and I both were ashamed to admit that we could not sustain a full film in subtitles. And that backfired. We were actually texting about that on the eve of the Oscars. And I wish I actually stuck it up and did it. But that's neither here nor there. I want to talk about the five greatest movies of all time. Number one is The Patriot with Mel Gibson. Benjamin Martin, The Ghost. Absolutely epic film. The kind of movie you remember exactly where you saw it the first time. So freaking good. A story about, you know, our nation's history. Inspirational. The love in a family. Revenge. It's got it all. Great acting. I love the Revolutionary War, too. Always been a big fan of that. I read Nate Philbrick books. What do you do? read every single Philbrook you could ever imagine from the Mayflower to the XX you didn't think I'd be that kind of cultured in here would you Wedding Crashers is my next pick just could watch it literally every minute of every single day just on loop in the background pipe in like I'm actually in the scene with those guys if I had to they're, they're that good they're that good at making you comfortable with what's going on in the scene Hotel Rwanda, coming in at three. The performance Don Cheadle puts as Paul Rusesabagina is moving, gut-wrenching. What a story. Just beyond tragic that humans could do this to one another. But moving, that we could have people like Paul Rusesabagina step in. I love that movie. Thanks to my history teacher showing that in uh, back in back in 07. the girl next door with Alicia Cuthbert. I mean, the juice is worth the squeeze. The speech about moral fiber used to keep that in my away message for years. Great lessons there. Having the courage when you when you don't have the as much self confidence as you think you should have. Stepping up when you need to step up. There's a lesson there. Finally, this last one's going to be whatever this new movie with Ben Affleck where he plays a high school basketball coach. I'm already slotting that in as my number five. That movie is going to be awesome. I saw a commercial for it watching the Celtics Thunder yesterday. And I already know that that movie is going to be one of the greatest movies of all time. Let's talk about TV shows now. TV shows, hands down, if I could slate it as number one and as number two, I'm going with The Shield with Vic Mackey. The ultimate anti hero. You know, we all have flaws, we all have scars, we all have bad traits but there is an inherent good in a lot of us as well. And Vic Vic Mackey emulated that. Yeah, he was a cheat, a liar, no woman's desire. He'll probably die cold and alone, but just give him a chance because deep down inside, I swear he's got a big heart of gold. Nice rhyme. Nice rhyme. That was quoting... uh, Dropkick Murphys as well as Mr. Deeds at the same time. So, you, I mean, you got to give me some props for that right there. After the Shield, I'm going to put in The Sopranos. Speaking of antiheroes, Tony Soprano, great father, great friend, horrible human. There's a lesson there. After that, I'm going to start go off in a little bit right here because this show is still active. Narcos on Netflix, specifically Narcos in Mexico, the most recent season. And this other season's coming out right now. What a movie. Actually, a TV show, but it could have been a movie. So freaking good. The production value. Absolute tragedy. What happened to Kiki Camarena? After that, I'll lighten it up with The Office just because it's so rewatchable. Steve Carell could make you feel the tenderness in really just any moment. Great acting. And honestly, as I wind down on my last 30 seconds here, Entourage is number five, by the way, but as I get down to my last 20 and you're about to have to listen to these two hacks come in here again and talk about what a great game Duke UNC was and how crazy that missing the free throw. I just want to tell you guys that there's nothing better in this world than talking about the sport and the hobby that you love most. College Hoops. Welcome to the boys.
1: So, here's the thing. Uh. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen of the theater, what you've just witnessed and heard for the last 15 minutes. Actually, I'm going to welcome in everyone that fast-forwarded for the through those first 15. <laughs> So, uh, if you people. did spare the people. brunt, yeah. If you did go through those first fifteen, I I pray for you and I offer you. Actually, that's my hug. Thank you, Shark. Uh, you <laughs> know, I, I I have a couple other hugs, but I'll give it to the theater goers that did listen to the first fifteen. But, ladies and gentlemen of the theater, if you want to know how little the shark knows about college basketball, all you got to do is look at those first fifteen, of which I think five were actually five to seven were spent, maybe on college basketball and. And, and players that we grew up with the others were just some insane ramblings about about tv and and parasite which by the way we should have watched but I, I definitely thought when we made this wager that the first 15 was going to be about basketball and you're just ill prepared that's all it was you have three days to prepare and that's that's what you come with can i ask you something you gotta say. Can I ask someone without you getting mad? That's <laughs> you're just not sharp. Oh, also, real quick, Travis Trice. Trice, Travis Trice, Michigan State, not Michigan. That's well, that's a, that's what I meant.
2: You knew what I meant. Um... Why? Why? Why would I identify the player on the team that? Like clearly, I knew Michigan State. I had only had 15 minutes. I had to cut cut words when I could, so I cut out the state.
0: Um, it it does take a long time to say Michigan State. Thank you, you Taylor. Know.
2: Yeah, thank you. You know a lot about it, a long time too. Anyways, uh,
0: I. What
2: was it? what's the first frickin' word in the name of the show, soup? Oh, it's theater. Exactly. So I split it down the middle. Half college basketball, half theater. You not like that Cl- you did not li- like that Clooney quote?
1: Clooney quote was decent. Oh no, I I, I, I,
0: I, I want to dive in there, okay? And this is what the interrupting text was. Can you at least give us other roles if you're Billy Time, the captain of the Andrea Gale?
2: Yeah, you can be you can be frickin' uh uh what's the guy's name the guy that played in step brothers the
0: John C. Riley I'm Murph you can
2: you can be John C. Riley you can be Murph he has the saddest part of that whole movie. Yeah and Soup can be the uh the the chick bartender the barb whatever her name is the big one (laughs)
1: look at the end of the day this show this is not afloat without me I brought you two hacks onto this boat all right yeah but but that's
2: why that's why that's why I did my little thing about how I inspired Sam because technically like I'm the inspiration. I'm, I'm like Ben Franklin of this, of the Barnburner podcast network.
1: Your best quote by the way was the mashup of Al Sharpton and deeds and then uh dropkick Murphys. I mean, that was your best one. That one actually got me off of my phone during those 15.
2: Thank you. But, <laughs> I mean, I, it's, not, it's not about you. I mean, this 15 was about me. The floor was mine the sea was mine all right, so can, can you do me can you play the the perfect the na, 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 na. can you get that going when i'm doing like can you play that un, undertone as i'm speaking in the beginning no 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 no. i don't think
1: i'm going right. to do that yeah,
0: right. It's a great i it's a great movie i did love where you were going with that i actually visualized you taking this ship and subsequently crashing it and sinking it in that first 15 minutes <laughs> so it actually all turned out really perfect honestly
2: Good. All right. Let's talk about the Duke-UNC game. Now.
1: <laughs> I actually wanted to talk a little Oscars recap. Really? Of course. There were some great, I mean, like you had mentioned, got to see Parasite. And I'm glad you also referenced the fact that we're the exact type of person that uh, Director Bong uh, Hoon Cho, jo, jo Hoon, or is it Bong? I'm going to call him Director Bong, uh, is referencing when he says, you know, you guys are too stupid and uh, you guys, Americans just don't want to watch a movie with subtitles for two hours. That's me, 100%. And I, I understand that I'm not as refined as someone else. Uh, so I'm glad you brought that up. Bree Larson, absolutely relentless. The way I look at her is she is Florida State. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't pick them as like the sexiest pick or number one, but they're consistently relentless here in the past few years. Elite eight type talent. Uh, M&M, lose yourself. I tweeted this, but this is, I mean, this is a staple of Superman's high school pump-up playlist. So I'm glad he, he was out there. And then Joaquin Phoenix, waging war against Big Dairy. No more milk. Those were some of the, my, my highlights there from the Oscars. Taylor, did you watch? No,
0: I did not watch the Oscars. Not a I'm lick? So- I'm sorry, guys. I, uh, no, uh, I was actually working until like 9.15, 9.30 last night. So I pretty much just skipped uh, the Oscars. Would I have watched them if I wasn't working? Uh, also, no. So uh, that working excuse really didn't have anything to do with it. I probably wouldn't have watched them anyway. But we've had this discussion about award season. I'm, I'm sorry, guys. I'm out on awards season.
1: V- Joaquin Phoenix's speech is the exact reason why I tune in. There's so many people that say, this is the exact reason why I don't tune in. I'm the opposite. That Phoenix speech... Just dovetailed into you know cow insemination, and we're putting milk in our coffees. It was fantastic. Did yeah, I, miss, I did I miss any other highlights there, Shark?
2: Um, I missed some highlights. I was at dinner for like the first hour of that, but I did catch up eventually. Um, I don't know Zellweger. You know Zellweger like. The, what what movie was that? Like, I didn't even know Wigger was still kicking. You know, she she
1: portrayed Judy Dench, I guess. Yeah.
0: Is her did her accent come back even more than the? Yeah, she was uh, super super
1: th- southern. Yeah.
0: Then the golden was it the Golden Globes where her everyone was like, oh, that's right, she's southern. And then did her accent even come back more uh, last night?
2: It definitely did. She was also
0: like jacked too. So. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I do, I did think the light back up thing was cool. You know, for Parasite and letting them talk. But again, I didn't watch the movie, nor did I watch the award show. So was it as cool as they made it, like, as Twitter made it out to seem, or what?
2: Uh, no, I mean, it really wasn't that phenomenal. Like, the highlight for me, I was laughing so hard. Dude. It had nothing to do with the show. It actually came from Subi over here. Hilarious text when the guy, the guy that did the whatever effects for 1917. <laughs> Just British-looking guy, like super gray, thick, long hair. Subi sends out a text, just like it was it's a dumb comment. Like as I say it out loud, now, I can't believe I laughed this hard when he said it. But just something about got a comb, bro, or something like that. Subi, you would, you remember it? You nailed it. I
1: just said, how about a comb? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. How about a comb a guy? It was all over the place. How about a comb guy? That was good.
0: well and you know sub is always perfectly quaffed so i understand his you know dismay i mean i i i don't understand how sub he's never put a product in his hair in his whole life just uses a comb i don't think he understands that some people aren't graced with that ability so i feel Mm -hmm. like without knowing the exact context feel like maybe you're being a little hard on the guy you know
1: just run a comb through it looked like he just got offset. Right. Of the movie 1917, which is clearly like it's a war film. I know that. But <laughs> he just he looked terrible. He, I don't even think he expected to win the award. But, yeah, he, he needed a comb. Other than that, I think we we really got everything that, that we needed to from the Oscars. Right. I mean, the- that's that's our Super Bowl. It's your yeah. Super Bowl. Right. Yes. That's my next dark Super Bowl. I agree. <laughs> I'll be honest.
2: Like I'm, I'm more I'm more of an Emmy guy, if anything. I love the Emmys. I'm a TV guy. All right.
1: I could probably get with the
0: Emmys more than the movies because I don't just I don't I can't remember the last time I just sat down and watched a movie other than I watch like A Wonderful Life every Christmas because it's my favorite movie of all time. But other than that, I I mean, I, I the Emmys, at least I recognize like the shows and and there's like daytime Emmys of like things that I actually watch every day during the day. So no. I, I understand I, I, I can at least relate to some of those
1: hey so Taylor now that you mentioned that can you make it this year's goal for 2020 to get Seth Davis on the program because Seth Davis every single Christmas does a live tweeting of it's a wonderful life
0: yeah you know I'm not a big Seth Davis guy I actually cut that out so we can get him on the program sure I'll uh, I'll put my sites I'll put my 2020 sites so to speak on uh, Seth That's Seth Davis Seth Davis sucks as a broadcaster I don't know <laughs> yeah, when you okay. started doing it but back,
2: this was probably a few weeks ago. He was doing the Rutgers Purdue game. Oh, he was awful. He, he he reminds me of a college basketball Darren Ravel, just so nerdy and kind of a tough guy atmosphere to him, too. But it's
1: like, you've never actually done anything in the league. I will say, I, I feel like if it weren't for Ravel, all of our hatred and vitriol and the way we perceive Ravel would be towards Seth Davis. Yeah. Is sucks. that fair to say? That is fair to say.
0: So, speaking of announcers, did you guys hear this weekend? Well, uh on Saturday, uh, I think Jimmy Dykes had the uh, one of the early games on ES. It was the Auburn uh, LSU, Auburn LSU game. Yeah, I think Jimmy Dykes had that game, right?
1: I was at a bar, no audio. Okay.
0: Yeah, so I think he had that game. They're talking about how they're going to do a, a game or two on ESPN later this year without a play-by-play guy. And Jimmy Dykes is going to be one of the guys, and it's just going to be him and another col- color commentator just talking basketball the whole time without any commentary or without any like play by play. How do we feel about that?
1: Terrible. You have to have a play by play guy there. I mean, Jim, that's what we come for. I don't come for Dick Vitale. I come for Dan Shulman, right? I, I don't, uh, I, I come for Bill Raftery and Gus Johnson, but there's always that play by play guy that's there. I can't. I, I don't really know many uh color guys mm. that outshine the play-by-play guy, Bill Walton. Yeah, that's okay. There you go. But he's just so outrageous.
0: Yeah, he but yeah, there's you can pull it off if you're one Bill Walton. I don't need Bill Walton every single broadcast. Right. So I mean, yeah, each good team it's a it's a peanut butter jelly situation. I don't just want like all the jelly with, without any other substance to it.
2: Yeah. Shark? I, I don't I don't think you can ever lose the play-by-play. To right. Play by it's so crucial to the college basketball game. But and if I, it is Jimmy Dykes and you want to throw in, uh, who would be who does good SEC games?
0: I, I'll try and find who the other guy that's doing it.
2: I like but, Dykes. He's good. He's good on, on the God,
0: call. He he's gonna get so angry. He gets so angry. He works himself up so much for the ten seconds he has each time. If he has just fifteen minutes in a row, for example, uh, he's gonna just go off the rails during a game. I feel like.
1: I don't mind Dykes. I actually am starting to like Andy Kennedy because I never really knew he had the voice of an angel. I mean, this is like this is the office episode where Andy Bernard says, you know, you got to talk like there's molasses slowly coming out of your mouth. I just,
0: I just watched that episode like two nights ago.
1: That's Andy Kennedy. He's got that voice. I mean, I don't know what he was doing, wasting it in a high stress job like coaching. Just go straight to the booth, Andy.
2: Marshall Henderson that's his it's coach even more stressful
0: <laughs> can we can we dive off into jimmy dykes a little bit more there uh have you seen jimmy dykes wife
1: no cannot <laughs> say that i've seen jimmy dykes well. <laughs> go to his
0: twitter when you have a second uh,
1: we,
2: we've already we've spent a lot of minutes on jimmy dykes this year we had the time when we were talking about how horny he was on the broadcast and then we went into his career coaching at arkansas women it's like geez, let's talk about a different let's talk about fanta my guy fanta
1: well, so Ooh. are we gonna get him? I, he, Not, I thought you corralled him. You spoke too soon. I, I thought you don't have Fanta. We don't have him, but he knows us. He
2: acknowledged us on the radar. Oh, dude, that kid—that kid's voice, incredible. He, he, there really is so much Iron Eagle in John Fanta. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Love how, it. How how is it that the Big East produces the best media personalities? I feel like pipeline, absolute pipeline, isn't it? Well,
0: you that, got a, you got a lot of. You know that's the highest congregation of like people in the country, a, and they're just. I think it's the voice thing. They're just so raspy and angry all the time. Not not angry like on the broadcast, but they just have. They all produce the right voices from being like cold and upset for a lot of the year, and then that just parlays into a real great on the air voice. I feel like
1: is Iron
2: Eagle's kid doing games yet? Because he, he's on the way up, too.
1: Last I heard from him, he was at Syracuse still. But that was a few years ago. I mean, it, it was insane. They they cut to him doing a college broadcast. I think it was Syracuse, Louisville. And I thought it was I an Eagle. Cut yeah. from the exact same cloth. He is going to be carrying that tradition.
2: As a nation, we need to do what we can to make sure that the, that the breed of Eagles does not die out over the next 100 years. they got to keep creating more and get that voice – Cued up at an early age, get them ready to roll.
1: The Eagles are going to be like the Mannings of the NFL, just broadcast royalty. What's, that's,
0: I, that's at what's I? What's I? Sun's name? Uh,
1: no clue. Yeah,
2: we're. I mean, Noah?
0: We're not going to learn his first name until he does a game
2: on CBS. Well, just, well, I'm just yeah. saying, is we're it? As, right. Is
0: is it another name that's spelled like yeah, every I'm, other name, and then but pronounced completely? Like, have you ever met another Ian before? No, it's probably meant- like
2: Stephen, but pronounced Stefan or something
0: like that. <laughs> oh, he just threw, threw the PH in there. Got it. I'm with well, you. That's what the
1: Eagles do. They differentiate themselves. So good for Ian. Good for the younger Ian. Speaking of ACC games, uh, Duke, Carolina, you, you want to talk about knowing basketball? Last week, I was on this program saying it was going to be a close game and Duke would win. That's exactly what happened. Uh, heartbreak City, though, for Carolina. Holy shit. Instant reactions. Any thoughts?
2: My thought for it I'll, – I'll get this out and then. Uh... Good th- – like why does this keep happening to like programs like Duke? Programs like the Patriots? Just absurd things that would never happen for my team in any scenario whatsoever. They happen for these institutions and these organizations that just have like decades on decades on success. Like I go back to the – free. Malcolm Butler getting an interception on the one yard line was so preposterous when it happened that the Seahawks decided to throw it Duke having a free throw where they throw it off the rim that I can't even emulate when I'm playing freaking 21 with my friends. And I want to get the ball back or whatever taps or whatever you're playing. Like I can't do it in that scenario. And these guys are doing it on the road in the most critical moment. And then they're hitting a jump shot right after Like the ball just bounces perfectly for schools like Duke. And never for schools that i support and it sucks
0: yeah yeah the airball all of that in airball and airball oh, yeah, re- air rebounded for a like yeah right i'm i'm totally with you and i know arizona sucks but I've ne- i haven't seen arizona get like a good bounce in 11 years of college basketball but i can tell you that every close game ever uh someone banks in a three from 45 feet out uh like with one second left in the shot clock with Eight seconds left in the game, or some bullshit like that. I, I I echo your thoughts on that. It does seem that for some reason the ball just bounces correctly for them. Actually, speaking, it's a luck factor, and just because we talked it about is this luck. Last, yeah. Just because we talked about this last week with uh, with Burgo, um, Auburn moved up to number one in Ken Palm Luck. <laughs> by the way, after this last week's game, which we'll so, get to. Yeah. But yeah, but I just thought that was funny that he had talked about that, and then they even moved up one more spot. So they're considered the luckiest team in the country
1: well that's another game auburn lsu auburn had no business coming back and winning that game but i'd like to say uh say that this is the kiss of titch you guys we've mentioned rhode island and and the a10 rhode island's on an absolute tear right now burgo and the boys are on two losses and they keep rolling huge win against lsu who previously here's another bit of luck for them randomly lost to Van- vanderbilt earlier in the in the week yeah so, these guys i'm telling you come on the show And you're gonna have success moving forward. That's all I gotta say. But yeah, that Duke finish very lucky, of course. But make your own luck, bruh. That's all you gotta do. You gotta make your own luck in that scenario. Guys are in the right position. They attack the boards. Got to box out. Also, I mean, Jesus Christ, Carolina, what are we doing here? I I guess I I shouldn't expect that from a ten and now thirteen team. But But I mean, that's that's two. That's two. That's two chances for Duke to get a game winner box out on the free throw and then box out on the Trey Jones shot. That's their luck though. The
2: luck is the other team, not doing the things that are so commonplace in college basketball. There's no way Trey Jones has ever trained up. You know what? This is, I'm going to become a D one player because of how I miss a free throw in a crucial moment like this. And I know, I just know that North Carolina is not going to box out in this scenario. That piece is what the luck is. So I'm like, it, it is so frustrating that this keeps happening, but Fuck man, Tennessee in Tennessee. I'm I, mean, I can't get over this game from last year when Carson Edwards wouldn't miss a shot and Ryan Klein. W- what's Ryan Klein doing right
1: now? Selling selling insurance in Topeka. Yeah, like, but that's what, college what, basketball, Shark. That's college basketball. Random. What's TJ Sorrentine up to these days? No, Ask what, a Syracuse
2: it, it, fan. Uh, I don't I don't think TJ Sorrentine hit seven straight threes in a game in the second half. But but it's not, not Ryan. It, no, nobody it, ever shot. Nobody in the history of the game ever shot as well as he did in the second half. And it happened to be the only game I ever went to in a tournament.
1: Hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, you you well, totally are for maybe, sure cursed. Maybe Your you are, are cursed.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah, maybe you are the bad luck.
2: Between that and RG3's knee back in 12, like that I got it all.
0: So, I I think I know the answer to this question. I I'm pretty sure it's Duke North Carolina. But since we already brought it up, was the Duke North Carolina ending probably just a little bit more preposterous than the Auburn uh lsu yes. ending or ending and then because it happened in reverse essentially both times like auburn came back from six down with 50 seconds left but then lsu came back to take the lead from like seven down with a minute left in overtime and i mean that's to have that happened twice in the same game is it's just ridiculous
1: that auburn game is pro- i think that's game of the year right
0: what a start to the day that was the first game of the day too that was that was awesome. I I, I mean I can only think that it's all because of Burgo that they're on this run right now. Uh, because of uh, us, because
1: of us having Burgo on.
0: Okay, okay, yeah. I mean that was that was ridiculous. That that floater went through uh, with point one seconds left. It was it was kind of the crowd. I actually expected to be a little louder at the end. It was almost like everyone was shocked that they came down the court and and scored. It was almost like a oh. Oh yeah, we won! Holy shit!
1: I'm blanking on the Auburn player's name, but he is so lucky and fortunate to have not touched that ball in uh, oh goal mm-hmm. yeah. goaltender interference. That would have been brutal. Was it Mickey uh, Wiley? Might have, it was. I think it was Wiley because I gave Wiley yeah, was how, Wiley. How yeah, vascular. Uh-huh. He was earlier in the year. Yeah, what Wiley. Wiley. And you and vascular. Well, I mean, that's another kiss of titch. I shouted out Austin. Is Austin Wiley? Well, he. You know, I, I spoke it spoke it into existence here on the show. McCorm- Shouted him out.
0: McCormick balled in the second half, though. I mean, he was just pulling up, hit, pull up, hit. He's the only reason they came back in that game. We gotta. We almost need to have Burgo back on just, hey, just talk five, for five minutes about that game. No questions, and then we'll just say thank you next week.
1: They've been in a run of really crazy overtime games, and they had Arkansas before that. Uh, oh, it, yeah, they've they've been escaping by the skin of their little, little teeth. Can, can I, I say can I announce something right now?
2: I'm sitting on something right here. I think Auburn's going out in the first weekend. That that is not a sustainable style of basketball that they have. All they do is Chuck threes and they don't have any of the talent that they had last year. in Okiki or uh, Bruce Brown, Bruce, Bryce Brown, um, Bruce Brown was Miami. But like any of those guys.
0: Well, so we kind of talked about this last week, I think, or maybe the weekend week before, but do you credit a team for winning close games like that and say, oh, they're battle-tested, or do you say, ah, they're just not talented enough and they're going to get taken down in the tournament?
2: I I think with the conversation with Auburn, you actually have to factor in their home court as well. Burgo talked about this on the podcast last week, but playing in Auburn is a different beast, especially when you have Bruce Pearl. For whatever reason, he can... Transform wherever he plays. It can be in a barn in some field in Iowa, and he will get his boys ready to play at home. Like Bruce Pearl is great at motivating his players, especially when they have a crowd at at his back. Does that translate on the road? You know, every once in a while, they probably rise to it. I mean, they're twenty-one and two, so obviously they're having a great year this year. But I do think that all these close games that they've been playing, it is not gonna it, it's not gonna last forever. So I. I and got my eye. If they're a two seed or a three seed, I got my eye on them going out pretty early.
0: Oh, they gotta be. They're, They'll be on the two line, I think. Yeah, I think so. I mean, they're twenty one and two with like a top twenty uh, five strength of schedule. You know, it's crazy how quickly the SEC standings changed because we discussed about how LSU could theoretically run away with the conference with two wins. Now they lose two in a row. Now Auburn's got the lead in the conference, and it's a it's a three horse race LSU with two wins could have you know put themselves in the position that all they needed to do was win like four more games the rest of the year and they would have won the conference now it's a complete crapshoot at the top of the SEC yeah
1: and Kentucky's keeping pace as well so they're they're still somehow laying in the weeds but Kentucky's doing just fine uh also so a lot a lot of good feet though on on Saturday in addition to all that Bob Knight Made his return back to Indiana after twenty or so years. Again, Indiana loses again to Purdue. Taylor, I know you got a little nugget on that, but Bob Knight back in Indiana, and I think what everyone was talking about was his interaction with Dick Vitale. I was kind of shocked because everyone's everyone's debating whether or not this was a legitimate reaction from Knight. I mean, who looked like he wanted to fucking kill Vitale, or was it them just playing around, old buddies? I, I genuinely think. Bob Knight had no idea who Dick Vitale was and why this old man was putting hands on him. And so while I always give grief to Vitale, I actually thought he played it off pretty well, or as well as you could with a man like Bobby Knight who's about to square up with you during a halftime ceremony. Bob Knight did not look sound of mind. I'm going to be 100% honest with you. And it kind of made me a little sad that Indiana just trotted him out there. Uh, Who knows what exactly he was saying to the players down on the court level. But from my perspective, Bob Knight uh, looked like he was just an angry, bitter old man just and and at Dick Vitale. But he was also, you know, he was getting the crowd pumped up. And I also thought it was pretty funny uh, that in the same crowd there was Gene Cady, you know, giving him some love. So I thought that was pretty neat. Maybe not funny is the right word, but I thought that was pretty cool. Bob Knight reactions, though, coming back to Assembly Hall.
0: Um, Well, you know, this has been actually a little bit in the works. I read into it a little bit. Uh, Bob Knight actually bought a house in Bloomington earlier this year. Uh, So I I think he had finally come to terms with, I guess he went went to an Illinois or an Indiana basketball game or a baseball game last year. Um, And so there was a couple, I guess there were a lot of rumblings around campus that he was ready to to come back. Um, But I did think it was pretty, the whole interaction was, yeah, I I don't know if it was funny or or whatever, but um, I will say this was my hug, but I I I'm, I do have another hug in the holster here. So Purdue has now won nine of the last ten games against Indiana.
2: Yeah, and Purdue that, can, yeah, they're they're it, dangerous.
0: Well, I just didn't realize that it had been. I know that Purdue had kind of had the upper hand the last you know five years or so. I didn't realize that they they had won nine of the last ten. You can't lose. To your rival on Bobby Knight night at home, yeah, I I don't know I, I I mean I guess I don't know what obviously Archie Miller's like my boy former boy, but I don't know what it, I don't know what the future of Indiana holds because they th- Purdue's just dominating them at this point.
1: And that game wasn't even close on Saturday.
0: Well, yeah, I mean it was a tw- of- it was a twelve point game, but it never felt like right. Yeah, Purdue had the control so yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know what the future of Indiana holds, but it's not, you know, I was texting friend of the program, Jonas, big Purdue Boilermaker, you know, and he's, he's like, yeah, we're just, we're just used to beating him now at this point, you know, I mean, it's just ingrained really.
1: Shark, you ain't got any thoughts on Bob Knight? Yeah. So I kind of had the,
2: I, I didn't think it was embarrassing or anything like that. I, I thought it was kind of cool um, at least for him, it, you know, he, he may not be all the way there, but, you know, he spent his whole life building that program into something and being known for the face of that program and to kind of be on, you know, on the back nine. And he, he gets to go back and get a warm reception from the place that he, you know, built his life. I think that's kind of cool. And, you know, he's obviously a polarizing figure, uh, depending on who you want to ask. He's a tremendous asshole. I always go back to one of, um, Logue, Logue, I, I don't know if he's listening right now, but his dad was a manager at IU when Bobby Knight coached there. And the stories, he probably had to sign a sign of non disclosure, but Logue, Logue broke that one right there. We got some good ones. I'm not going to say him here, but why? Bob Knight.
1: Why are you not going to say him here?
2: Because I'm respecting privacy. You know, it's not my story to tell.
1: Can we All get right. Logan then to to discuss it? Because I want to hear this story. The theater boys, right. I get... think we
2: I think we definitely could. Yeah, All man. right. Yeah. He. You know. You know that guy. He talks to anyone. So
1: let's <laughs> get fucking Logan then. All right. Next. Maybe not the next episode because we actually speaking of the Big Ten. Got uh, a super fan, Chris Alfin, coming onto the program. But week after, can we? Right. Can we grease elbows with Logue? Yeah,
2: The guy's not doing anything. Yeah. Let's get him on here. <laughs>
1: where
0: yeah. do you rank but since we had multiple rivalries talked about in a row where do you rank Indiana Purdue as a rivalry T- top 10 in college basketball
1: maybe yeah sure I mean it's it, it is Indiana I mean it's a state known for basketball obviously so I guess you could put them top 10 yeah. but I it feel like top. they're never they're yeah they're top ten but they're never really great at the same time together I feel like I, either Purdue's really good or Indiana's really good and it's been more so Purdue than it has Indiana recently I'm glad.
0: I'm glad you said that, Subramanian. They've only played three matchups in the last 20 years where both teams were ranked.
1: Does that work for you, Shark? Is that is that, is that enough knowing basketball? You you need another 15?
0: I,
2: do you do you want to get into a competition about who knows more basketball? I'd love to do a contest. I mean, I'm not, it's not about just displaying my knowledge or anything like that. Uh, I'm just I, I use the 15. I I felt the way I should. <laughs>
0: More power to you, Shark. More power to you. We'll all get our 15 one day, I'm sure. So,
1: I don't know if we will.
0: The The ironic thing is, like, I got the 15 because I knew more basketball than
2: you.
1: You had three hey, points. You're at Hold home. on, hold lost.
2: on. I wasn't even a part of that bet. First off, so yeah, don't no, call no, me no. out on that, Taylor. You're, you're you're only guilty because of who you associate yourself with. Right? <laughs> hang yeah. with a better crowd. Don't hang with this guy. This is <laughs>
1: this is what the shark preaches. He he preaches instant gratification. Meanwhile, I'm out here with the long run. Underwood's going to be Big Ten Coach of the Year. I said Michigan State's not a national title contending team. Taylor, you said that as well. They're unranked. They're only the second team to be completely unranked after starting preseason number one. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're in it for the long haul. The Shark, he's got these instant gratifications.
2: Yeah, the Seton Hall's an instant gratification. I, I bought low on that, like, uh, what, Like the,
1: what's it? I can't we all it. picked Seton Hall to win the conference. I don't understand how <laughs> no, you no. bought low. The, entering the Big East, they were a favorite. This is, like, t- this is like this is like you guys saying- are think
2: you guys are thinking small. You're thinking Big East. I'm thinking freaking titles over here. I'm thinking Final Four. All right, like I am all in on Seton Hall to win it all. When they were they so let's actually talk about this because they released the uh, the the committee released the bracket. What it would look like right now. Mm-hmm. It was literally like the who, the guys that are picking the bracket. They went into my brain as I was sleeping and said, you know what. What would be the ultimate board for the Sharks just to get all his teams to the final four? Let's p- pick and choose. Let's pluck them. Let's put Seton Hall on Louisville's side so they can take them down early. Let's put Oregon over here against Gonzaga. It was perfect. It was everything I could ever want. If that's the bracket for me, I, I, I mean, I'm going to, I'm flying out to Vegas. I'm going to try to pick every single bracket. I'm going to Warren Buffett. I'm coming for that billion. Yeah. I
1: mean, yeah. I mean it's going to be the exact same. Like history has shown us that February brackets are the exact same <laughs> as March.
0: I was going to say, you know, even just 24 hours, eight hours after this bracket was released, uh, at least three of those teams would have fallen out of the top four seeds. Yeah, I (laughs) know. Like Oregon (laughs) Oregon loses, Michigan State's not even ranked, Villanova loses, Butler loses. They're all falling out of the, well, you probably would have kept Villanova in there, but at least three of those teams would have fallen out of that top 16. Just like literally within hours of that being released.
1: So those teams had some disappointing results, Taylor, and I'm going to let you go on a diatribe right now because I think all of us have our thoughts on Arizona. They arguably have the most disappointing loss of the day. Uh, They are playing a terrible UCLA team that's rebuilding. UCLA comes into McHale Center and whoops their ass. I'll give you the floor.
0: Yeah, I think I I tweeted this. I think this is probably – um, the least confidence I've ever had in an Arizona basketball team or an Arizona basketball team that was supposed to be good because there's been some bad teams over the years. You don't have any confidence in them. It's just it, it, they, for some reason, can't put it together uh, at home or on the road. Uh, that You know, they lost to UCLA, UCLA um, and it's the same exact problem every single game. And Asubi you probably agree with this exactly. This team cannot play basketball from the eight minute mark to the four minute mark of the second half app cannot play basketball. I bet you have the cumulative like 12 points for the entire year in that stretch. And although UCLA started to go on a run before that, that's where the run really was cemented was in that stretch. Same thing happened uh, with USC on Thursday night, Arizona's up 20. I texted it. So I'll, I'll take the jinx on this. I said, this is one of the top three games Arizona's played this year. And Subi agreed with me. And from that point on, we didn't, Arizona didn't have another bucket for the last eight minutes and 40 seconds of the game uh, at home. Uh, Nico Mannion's missing free throws left and right. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how to feel about them. And I really don't know how to feel about the Pac-12 as a whole right now. I know Oregon and Pritchard is, is Sharks' boys. They've lost two in a row, and Pritchard hasn't played well in either of those games. Colorado is now sitting atop the conference, but I don't see if Colorado wins the conference, that's great. But I don't see them as like a second. I don't even necessarily see them as a second weekend team. You know, I mean, they, I think Sweet 16 is their absolute ceiling. So I'm a little disappointed in the in the Pac 12. Um, and the Pac 12 looks a lot like the college basketball has for a lot of this year, where if you're a fan of any of the teams that were supposed to be at the top, all you're thinking every week is why can't you just grab the reins of the conference and go all you got to do is win two games in a row and you're going to be in first place and it doesn't seem like any team in the conference can do that
1: it's because they're all soft man arizona as it it pertains to them they just stink and they're so (laughs) underwhelming and aggravating and frustrating after the oregon state loss i had said look i'm not ready to declare yes or no if if sean miller should be fired but the fact that these discussions are still taboo to a small faction of fans the fact that he's beyond reproach of even having the discussion is outrageous. I mean, what's the worst that's gonna happen? We lose to we, we don't lose to Buffalo in the first round with the best player in college basketball. These questions I think are completely fair. And I'm sure other college basketball f- fan bases are are have these individuals, but it is completely maddening to me how there are people out there that keep that that keep saying, like, oh, what's up with all these fans and their doomsday reactions? We fucking stink. Like, this was supposed to be a good team. They were preseason ranked. I can completely excuse the losses to Baylor, Gonzaga, right? I can excuse some, like, one or two conference I can excuse the Oregon loss for sure. UCLA at home, inexcusable, right? St. John's, basically in your backyard in San Jose, or uh, Oakland, I forget where it was, inexcusable. They have so many bad losses already, and what's their best win? Is it Illinois? Is it Colorado? Right? I mean, and he's one of the one of those two teams. And so they get Oregon at home. the The chances are running low now for their best win. And and I just I cannot stand fans that blindly are still going to bat for Sean Miller and saying that people need to relax. The team deserves better. The well, fans deserve better.
0: I will say that even though the only shining light for Arizona fans or any of the Pac-12 fans is it's the same reason that we are all upset. All Arizona has to do is beat Oregon and they probably win the, they probably win the conference. Same with same with Oregon. All they have to do is beat Arizona and they'll probably win the conference. I mean, each of these teams is still surprisingly in charge of their own destiny. And it's only because we've gotten this like circle of suck in the conference where that everybody is sucked at the same time and like so even Oregon you say yeah okay well who knows Oregon's right there well they play Colorado as their next game but they've lost two in a row you know to Oregon State as you know as well and Stanford's is not that bad of a loss cuz Stanford's kind of an underrated okay team but it's not like it's not like there's any reason that they can go out and be like oh well we're so much better than everybody we're just going to win all the big games at the conference
1: but they've got a point guard that's played in a final four they've got Dana Altman who takes a team to a final four and and I'm going to bring the shark in here in a second, but it's insane to me that we as Arizona fans are now being like, like we're scraping for Pac-12 titles. We're scraping for six, five sure. seeds in the tournament. This should be sure. a, perennial, a team that perennially looks for elite eight final fours. And that's not even close to what I'm thinking for Arizona this year. Shark, I know you had some thoughts on Sean Miller on Saturday as well.
2: I was, I'm kind of surprised that you guys, got- I was expecting you to be those blind backers that you're critiquing right now, So but I'm kind of—it's refreshing to see you take a take an attack on Sean Miller because I—you you look at this guy's resume. He's been coaching at Arizona for 11 years, and in that time, he's been to the Elite Eight a, a couple times, and it was early on in his career. And outside of that, he's never been to a Final Four. Even when he was at Xavier beforehand, no Final Fours. He's never been to a Final Four in his career. So, like, why? Why is he? in the same conversation as, you know, in, in Izzo or other guys within that same age bracket right there. Like, you, when you go to an elite program, an elite institution like Arizona, and that is an elite school for college basketball. I, I know I like to poke fun at you guys, but that's an elite college basketball program. It should be expected you're going to the Final Four. And you're not even close right now. Your team's terrible. It's soft. You used to think that Sean Miller was this defensive-minded, you know, kind of – bust your ass the entire game, coach, and he's not. So, I like, when is enough enough? When are you going to try to think about who's going to get you that next level? I'm thinking, when I look at Arizona, like, why not make a massive run at Mark Few or Chris Beard or any of those coaches? They're already somewhat close to Arizona. They probably already know the area a little bit. I, I mean, yeah, Beard loves Texas Tech, but, like, come on, dude. Like you don't think if you throw a ton of him, ton of money at him to go Arizona he wouldn't go?
0: Oh yeah, yo, you, know, you could pull you could pull him from Texas Tech. You, I don't think yeah. that would be that big of a deal, right? You
2: don't th- you don't think Mark Few's like all right? I've kind of no, we've with we've kind
0: of go- we've gone through the Mark Few because uh, he was a candidate the first time around. I get it, that was ten years ago, but Few the Gonzaga has turned their program into that they could match whatever. So Greg Marshall. Yeah, I don't know. I'd, I'd like what? Chris. I'd like Chris Beard. I, I'd be fine with that. I mean, don't give me, wrong. I am actually still a Sean Miller supporter. So I'm still in that faction. I'm not a blind supporter now at this point, but I'm, I'm still in support of Sean Miller. Here's the problem though, with replacing a Sean Miller. I think I, I'd have to go back and look, but I know we started that this year. I think Arizona is the third winning program in the last 10 years for total wins. And that's, and the tournament success is, as we've discussed before, you know i think we would all trade obviously being there every year for like two Nashville titles right just give me the parades and and we're good you know the new york giants approach on on life right or the yukon yeah, yeah their, the yukon approach but the problem is 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 convincing a fan base to to pony up to buy out a guy that's won more college basketball games than almost every other coach in the country. And I'm not saying that's wrong or right. I'm saying it's going to be damn near impossible to do that because of one factor. And that factor is the Lute Olsen factor. The Lute Olsen factor is that if you look at their careers and how they started, Lute Olson was known as a tournament choker for the first 12 years of his Arizona basketball career for the most part they made it to two final fours in there so don't get me wrong don't get me wrong but they also lost to two 15 seeds in there they lost to a 14 seed they lost to steve Nash's santa clara team and so the 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 majority of arizona's fan base just like a lot of college basketball but especially you know tucson is kind of an older town they've already been through this type of coaching situation before and they backed the program then so you're good and they're going to continue to back the program so it's going to be tough to convince those people to pony up the dollars when when the previous coach that they love so much that the that literally has the key to the city who the court is named after so on and so forth had the same exact type of stretch previous to Sean Miller. And then he won a national championship and became one of the 10 greatest college basketball coaches of all time. You
1: Financially, know? that's a, that's a definitely a fair point. I think what pisses me off the most, though, about these fans is that they're so afraid of the, the dip that's going to obviously occur when you get rid of a Sean Miller and you have to bring in someone new. I do think that whoever they bring in, even a beard, there's going to be a dip in yeah. program performance. But what the fuck are we so afraid of? Not getting disappointed in the elite eight. <laughs> like, it's it's not as if we're like perennially going to final fours and title games. You're you're afraid of of these past few years. Like I said, losing in the first round to Buffalo, being a sixth seed, getting waxed by Wichita State and Ron Baker. Like these are some of the the postseason performances that we've been accustomed to seeing here in the past five years or so.
0: So I think one of the, the part of the fan base that's, that's worried, and I, I will actually admittedly put myself into this fan base because I'm a much bigger uh, follower and proponent of recruiting than you are. Sean Miller does a really, really good job of selling hope every year. Because every year we bring in a top five recruiting class, except for you know, the year before last with the FBI stuff every single year, we're talked about all off season as being one of the most talented teams in the country. And I'll sit here and still say today, Arizona from a talent standpoint is probably a top 10 team in the country talent alone. But we know that 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 doesn't win basketball games. So we know this team strikes me as this. And I told my uncle, speaking of Indiana was an Indiana grad and actually went to school during at Indiana during uh, the, the last the 84 uh national championship but he completely agreed with me he said or i said this arizona team strikes me as a team that's going to out talent the team they play in the first round and then lose in the second round and just nico and we'll just look at everybody and be like "Eh, well that sucked and then they're off to the nba and they're gone that's exactly what this type of team strikes me as. It's like they're going to be good enough to beat the first team, and just be from a straight up talent standpoint alone. But that second team, when they have to play like a like a Colorado type of team, who's going to be that type of team is going to be like a 10 seed in the tournament, right? And we'll, they'll lose to that team, and they'll be like, oh, all right. And then we're going to have to have another another full year of off season of there's going to be people who want to fire Sean Miller. That's not going to happen. They're going to bring in a top five recruiting class. Then we're going to be like, oh, well, this Arizona team is talented. Rinse, repeat until it ends. It's going to be whenever that may be, whether it's reaching the final four or Sean leaving. It's going to be that type of rinse, repeat situation over and over. Can I give you, before you dive in, can I give you, and Shark, maybe you're kind of the neutral third party here. Can you give me if this is a good comp or not for Sean Miller as it relates to pro basketball? Sean Miller is, in a lot of ways, Jerry Sloan, I think. Gets there every year because the Utah Jazz had, like, the longest streak of playoffs makes in a row or something crazy like that. Never, you know, obviously they went to two finals, but I never really won anything. He has some of the most wins of all time. They made it there every year, but they fired him essentially because he wasn't getting any further in the playoffs. You could even go Marty Schottenheimer if you wanted to go back to Chargers days. All the talent in the world, second-round exits in the playoffs every year.
2: So that's a, that's a good point, and I, I think I didn't know about Lou Olson's history there. I I appreciate you shedding that insight on me. I, I learned a little bit about that. One thing I think Subi's neglecting here that you're hitting the point on, Taylor, is you, need, you don't know what it's like for your program to just be absolutely gutted you don't know what it's like for it to be a Saturday and nobody's at your game and nobody cares. And that's the thing that Sean Miller can bring each and every year, even when you have the the scandal that was going on last year, like you're always going to be talented enough and your conference is never going to be good enough where you're going to be irrelevant. You're always going to be relevant. And there's something to that, you know, having entertainment that you can block off. If you live in Tucson from November until March, the whole city can rally around that team. The risk of getting rid of that, something consistent for over a decade, is you bring in someone that completely bottoms out under. And that's when you're getting into this conversation that I think, Taylor, you're addressing. And that's the thing with Jerry Sloan was, you know, there's something about knowing what you're going to have each year and then maybe you can break through and, and catch catch magic.
1: Yeah, the only issue I have is that the bar is if if that's the bar for Arizona because Shark, you're saying that Arizona is an elite program, they should be expecting Final Fours. If the bar is to be entertained and have McKale Center filled up every Saturday, if that's it, I'm not I'm not here for it. I can't like I cannot support that. That's not what an Arizona fan should be wondering or or striving for uh, in terms of college basketball success on a year to year basis. To your point about Jerry Sloan, I think that that's pretty good, but I would also just play devil's advocate uh, jerry sloan ran into the greatest basketball player of all time and sure. Michael Jordan every single year yeah uh and then marty schottenheimer had to deal with tom brady in the afc like i i get what you're saying but there's no equivalent to that in terms of well what right. sean miller has had to run into I'd there's like,
0: never there's never going to be a perfect analogy for this but just, right
1: but i mean th- but th- that's the point that i'm making is in these pros like there's so many people that patrick ewing uh, so many people in the Eastern Conference that don't have rings because of Michael Jordan, right? And so right. I, I, I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens with Sean Miller uh, and this Arizona team the rest of the year.
0: So one more point about just to belabor the Lute Olson point before we move on is, uh, and not that this necessarily has to mean anything as it relates to today, but Lou Olson had six first round exits and two second round exits before he won a national championship in his first fourteen years. So that's pretty crazy if you consider that he's one of the winningest basketball coaches of all time, Hall of Famer, arguably one of the ten best coaches of all time. You know it, that it was tough for him, and that's always been Arizona's mo. It's kind of crazy how we talk about all the time programs are or teams somehow are as they are over and over and over again. I, I actually relate the Packers a lot to the to the Arizona Wildcats. It's like, how have you guys had two Hall of Fame quarterbacks and won two Super Bowls in 30 years? How do you go from Lute Olsen to Sean Miller and have one national championship in 30 years? I kind of relate to him a lot, it, it, but that's just because I'm a fan of both. So
2: If it, if it works out for Sean, you could say Andy Reid.
0: Andy Reid wouldn't be yeah, a bad one to look right. at. That's <laughs> not bad, yeah. Except we had our Patrick Mahomes, and we lost to fucking Buffalo in the first round. <laughs> so.
1: That's very true. That's also very true. Yeah, <laughs> to, to your point about like Arizona beating uh, a team in the first round strictly off a of talent perspective. Recent history has showed us that's not even <laughs> yeah, true. Raleigh, right. Alkins, Alonzo Trier, and DeAndre Ayton got ran off the floor. Uh, by hey, you know, you know, I'm the Maddenberg. grand. I'm- I'm
0: generally the grand optimist. So I'm just trying to hold on to as much hope as possible. One of
2: my worst losses was Buffalo last year against Texas tech too. So I (laughs) I forgot to throw that in there. There's another one for you.
1: I love that. All right. So we are united in our hate against Buffalo. I love it.
2: Fuck Buffalo. Perfect.
1: (laughs) All right. uh, Before we end this on some segments, a quick message from Zach and the Barnburner podcast network. All right. It is twit time this week in feet and also hugs. We'll start with twit. Taylor, have at it.
0: So this week in theater, we're going to go back to an Indiana team, as we'd previously talked about before. In 2013, they lost to Illinois on, if you guys remember this play, so hopefully, uh, maybe maybe we could tweet out this video, those, those who run the Twitter account here, which I guess could be me too, but uh, they lost... Um. uh as the number one team in the country on the road at Illinois on one of the worst inbounds defenses of all time, uh, Tyler Griffey from Illinois released from about the top of the key, and his defender didn't follow him at all, and he had a wide open layup to knock off number one Indiana. That was like the Cody Zeller, Oladipo, Watford, Will Sheehy, Yogi Ferrell, Remy. I mean, that was a that was a that was when. Indiana was, quote-unquote, back for, like, 12 weeks. Same year as the Christian Watford shot at Kentucky. So this week, uh, seven years ago, was the worst inbounds play defense of all time, Illinois, over Indiana.
1: You know, I always try and look at some of those crazy games between illinois and these other teams with the primary color red because whenever i feel like whenever wisconsin plays at illinois they go red versus orange and it's impossible to differentiate between the two Mm -hmm. so i was gonna say you know what maybe that might have been a driving factor in the blown coverage but i think it was red versus white that game no no excuse for indiana
0: i'd have to go back and look at the video but i'm pretty sure you're right on that yes
1: Yep. you got a hug
0: yeah, so my hug is actually for a Purdue player uh, who, for some reason, I can't find his name because my screen just popped down. Uh, he's the first uh, Purdue player of all time to go 4-0 and at Assembly Hall. Let me find his name. Hug hug someone for me real quick, and, and uh, let me pull that window back up.
1: Shark, who are you getting your paws on? Quick
2: hug, Rody. Rody getting some votes in the top twenty-five here. Great tweet from Scar to Hack Goodman saying why is Arizona ranked and odd Rody with just an absurd biased Homer ranking from Hack Goodman there, Arizona alum. But my bigger hug is going to what are you looking making a face at me? Please?
1: Hack hates Arizona, but go ahead. Right,
2: well, I mean he's a homer. I, mean, I, that, I, that, I that agree right, like, they
1: shouldn't be ranked higher than Rody, I agree. But yeah,
2: Ro should be ranked and they're well, Joey Brackett's got him in the tournament right now, as an at-large. Um uh, my actual hug is going to just divide between the coaches poll and the AP poll. So Stephen F. Austin has gotten like several votes to be ranked in the AP top 25. Uh, they Everyone kind of forgot about them after they beat Duke, but they're actually 21-3 and three and they're kind of nasty. They got several votes to be ranked in the top 25. And then in the coaches poll, they just got no votes whatsoever. So just no respect whatsoever from the coaches. I like that.
0: So uh, I I found my player here real quick. He's walk-on Tommy Luce, or Tommy Lucci, L-U-C-E. Tommy Lucci, first Purdue player to ever go 4-0 and at Assembly Hall. That's pretty cool.
1: That's wild.
0: Especially because they've won, like, eight in a row or seven in a row. So all the players must have just, just matru- matriculated through there, I guess. So, yeah. yes, big hug for my boy, our boy, holding on hope that Purdue can somehow still mathematically win the Big Ten, which is – Still possible, by the way. But uh, Tommy Lucci. I like Lucci better than Luce. I like Lucci. So Tommy
1: Lucci. Hug for him. All right. My hugs, two real quick ones. One, Indians on TV. So uh, during the Oscars, we got Donald from Pitch Perfect rapping about inclusion. And now Bravo is going to air a show called Family Karma. So reality television, it looks like, with spoiled Indian kids. That is what I'm going to be watching. I'm glad we're finally getting some representation. It's not just like Shaws of Sunset. That's not Indian people. I don't think at least, Uh, but this is more, more my speed. So good for the Indians showing up on TV. Second hug, Marcus Morris. He's going to get his number retired by Kansas. Be perfectly blunt with you. I don't know why I was looking at the track record at Kansas, (laughs) a historically great college basketball program. uh, But Marcus Morris's number is going to get lifted to the rafters. And I think everyone's initial reaction was, well, what about Markeef? Now, The easy response to that is, well, Marcus is clearly better than Markeef. I think we've seen that over his their ten years here in the NBA and also in college. But they do everything together, like tattoos together, play together, like everything is together. So I can't imagine Markeef is taking this all too well. And then just as an additional nugget, did you guys know that both uh, Marcus and Markeef have two other brothers as well? I, I honestly thought it was just those two. Thought it was just the twins. But uh, they have Blake and Dante, I believe, is, are, are the names. Not sure. But there's two other Morris brothers. Wow.
0: No, I did not do that. I do know that I have an inside source here in Scottsdale, someone who knows the Morris twins well. Let's just leave it at that. Uh, that they are some of the worst... Uh, money managers of any basketball players of all time. Uh, I remember I heard on Good Authority that they had $140,000 in their joint bank account that they have, and they spent 130 of that on vacation, not knowing where the rest was going to come from because the NBA season was over and they weren't going to get a paycheck for the rest of the summer because that's how their joint contract uh, laid out. So that's what I know about the Morris Twins, and I don't really understand. I think there's a huge... Deal nowadays where we're just retiring anybody's shit, like for just for like no reason. I don't know why. It's maybe because we're like everyone's a soft millennial or whatever now. I just don't know what like why. What nobody's going to be offended if the Morris, if Marcus Morris, doesn't get his number retired.
1: I don't even think Marcus Morris was expecting to get his number retired. To be honest, no. I mean. he probably
0: thought it was yeah. a prank call or something. That's yeah. a low threshold.
1: B
2: B C just retired Troy Bell, and Troy Bell's the second all-time leading scorer in the Big East, and it took him like a, over a decade to do it.
1: What a what a season in college hoops where BC has a higher bar in terms of what your whether or not your number is going to get retired over Kansas.
2: I know we're at the end of the show here, and also don't sleep on Texas tonight. But anyway, I, one Se- thing Second I time, time in
0: to a say, row, don't we're not sleeping on Texas.
2: <laughs> I I'm actually please do not go to sleep on Texas tonight. I think it's happening. Um, BC is somehow going to retain Jim Christian because he's won a bunch of games on the road in the ACC. P- putting aside the fact that it's like the worst year the ACC has had in almost two decades, but this
0: guy's going to somehow keep his job and we're going to keep running it back.
1: Yeah, I suppose we could have Jim Christian as our coach, Taylor.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. is, I That's what makes me scared. Is I'm not scared at the top. I'm scared at the bottom. Um, I think I found out. Do we know why? I think I know why Marcus is getting his number retired this year, though.
1: No I think idea. this. Why? I think
0: this is his tenth season in the NBA, and I bet you Kansas has some kind of thing where if if you go to school there and you spend ten years in the NBA, that you get like like Arizona has a Ring of Honor. Yeah, but
1: got the Ring of Honor. You get your uh, jersey retired
0: I, for that. I, I'm just. I'm guessing it's not a coincidence I mean, that, that a, just, You know, it's his tenth year NBA in the NBA.
1: I, I agree, but like, does that mean Joel Embiid's is for sure? I mean, Joel Embiid has to for sure have it. Retired here, coming up shortly yeah. on his so, so so Good you, rebuttal.
0: You looked it up, Shark. Can you tell me what Marcus Morris averaged in his three years, in points per game, in his three years at Kansas? Uh, 9.7. Markeith uh, was better. Yeah, Markeith was better. Yeah, 12.6 points a game. They're retiring at one of the three best basketballs most historic basketball schools in the country they're retiring a guy's number who scored 12.6 points a game over overscrew
1: what a week for marquise morris or marcus morris man he goes from the awful knicks to the clippers and now he's getting his jersey retired good for him yeah
0: both for no reason really you know for nothing
1: <laughs> serious hug for the morris brothers all right well thank you again for listening we will see you next time here on theater and college hoops fog's oh, just lifting Throw off your bow line, throw off your stern. Head out the South Channel past Rocky Neck Ten Pound Island. Past Niles Pond, where I skated as a kid. Blow your air horn and you throw a wave to the lighthouse keeper's kid on Thatcher Island. Little birds show up. Blackbacks and herring gulls. And big dump ducks. Sun hits you. Head north. Open up to 12. Steaming now guys are busy, you're in charge. You know what? You're a goddamn swordboat, Captain. Is there anything better in the world?